if he could go on Jeopardy uh, and it was Autism Week, could you know be like Alex? I'll take uh, World War II airplanes for two hundred, foods I won't eat for five hundred, and, and entire movie scripts I've memorized for a thousand. Try to find the humor in whatever it is that you're going through. You know, find something to to laugh about because there usually is some humor in the situation, uh, regardless of what the situation is. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I talk with fascinating, talented, and inspiring guests who reflect on the adventures and challenges of aging and who are living their lives with vibrance and purpose. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist, writer, and fellow Zestful Ager. I want to invite you to my brand new free webinar, Zestful Aging, Here's How You Do It. You can sign up at NicoleChristina.com. And as always, I appreciate your feedback. Last week, we had a Memorial Day doubleheader with Michelle Vigna Balsas and Jincy Hines. Michelle is the body and food specialist who talked about menopause, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And she talked about the gifts, actually, that menopause bring, some of the things that are overlooked. It's a great interview, and Michelle is really passionate about this subject. And we had Jincy Hines, who is a member of Alt's Authors, and she is a wonderful, passionate advocate for helping people with caregiving when their loved one has dementia. She knows a lot about that and her personal and her professional life. So take a listen to those two women. They are real stars. Next week, we're going to shift gears and speak with Michael Hebb, who is the author of Death Over Dinner. And it sounds a little morose, but it's not Well, I have my Jack Russell Terrier Sparky right beside me and my coffee in my hand. So let's begin. Comedian and writer Regina Stoops was born and raised in a town called Normal, though her humor is anything but. Regina has her own unique perspective on what most might consider the mundane details of ordinary life, raising three boys, aging parents, healthcare, navigating the world of special ed, and trips to the grocery store. She describes her life as an ongoing process of coming out, and she continues to embrace diversity, adversity, and suburban chaos, armed with a quick wit and humor. Welcome to the show, Regina. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I love your comedy, and I'm wondering, um, I know that your son is on the spectrum, and one of the things you talk about is his interests, his spectrum disorder. How do you make a decision about, you know, where the line is? As in what's kind of making fun of him or what's that type of thing? Absolutely, yes. You know, I try to um, make humor. I, I wouldn't even say it's jokes. It's really describing an incident or telling a story about perhaps something he has done or something we've experienced together and 
um, telling it in a humorous way. And I also will often talk to other moms I know uh, with special needs kids and kind of get a feel for whether this is something they can relate to. And, and if they can, then I know that when I do this in front of an audience, it's going to be a, a common theme and therefore it's not going to be seen as, you know, insulting or derogative to persons on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just occurred to me that you have people to check in with and that this has become so common that I'm sure many people can relate to having a child on the spectrum. They can. And also um, just a lot of even people who have a grandson or a nephew or a neighbor or a lot of caregivers and teachers um, and people that work with special needs, uh, you know, children and and adults. um, I find that now if I do um, humor about autism in front of um, I'll call it a straight audience, but just an audience that is not uh, made up of folks that are from the special needs community, parents and caregivers, etc. I do find that when I start doing it, it's almost like a, a sharp intake of breath, you know, sort of like, mm, I don't know, she, are we, should we be laughing at this? Because are we, la- you know, in the in this age of political correctness, are, are we now making fun of people with autism? Um but they, you know, after a few, they catch on that, that this is really me just talking about my life and, and that type of, of my situations. And, and it's not meant to be a, uh, derogative or making fun of. And plus, I'm talking about my experiences. They are my experiences and my reaction to some of the things that my son does rather than, um, generalizing that everybody with autism is like this. You know, and there's also different tones, right? It's clear when you talk about your son that you love him and you're talking about these behaviors he has, um, but the way it comes across isn't sharp or insulting. It's, it's sort of, let me share this funny thing that happened to us. Exactly. And in fact, just last night, I, I can't even remember what we were sitting at the dinner table talking about something and trying to recall something that had happened. And finally, you know, we just turned to Ryan and say, Ryan, what year was it that we were on that vacation when this was going on? He's like, oh, that was 2012 because the London Olympics were on. You know, he's like our Google sometimes, right? <laughs> um, so it's, it's, you know, humor about things like that. Does Ryan appreciate your humor about uh, spectrum disorder? To be honest, I don't know. I don't know that I've sat him down and and you know done a routine uh, for him. Um, I think we try to like in that instance when we had to ask him that we try to to say, "Hey, it's a great thing that your mind works like that, Ryan." Give him credit for having those, uh, being that encyclopedia. Right. And he knows, you know, he understands that he has autism. He understands that certain things are more difficult for him than for other kids. And we always try to talk about the flip side of that, which is, um, you know, yes, Ryan, you have a hard time sitting in a large classroom and, and following what's going on, or you have a hard time with new situations. But boy, just think about how you know all of the facts about World War II airplanes or how you can do this and you can do that. You know, we always try to 
to come up with why what what his autism superpowers are is how we call it. Mm-hmm. And is that that's been since he was diagnosed, or how how has this evolved? Like what, when when he started showing symptoms, were you able to? you know, laugh about that? Or has this evolved more recently as it's been clear? Yeah, it's been more recent. I think when he, um, so from a fairly early age, I sort of was, I don't want to say suspicious, but thought something, I mean, he's our first child, so you don't know, right? You have nothing to compare it to. Mm -hmm. But I, um, I have a background in, in health and physical education and recreation and had worked with special needs kids through the YMCA and different camps and different situations. And just some of the things he did just really, you know, sort of made the hair on the back of my neck stand up like, oh, I don't think that is right. Mm-hmm. And so then when we went through the process, because he was late late with his speech, so we went to a speech therapist, the speech therapist said, you need to go to a developmental pediatrician. And so finally, about age three, he was diagnosed. And Certainly in the beginning, it was nothing that we found the least bit funny. I mean, it was devastating. It's really like going through a loss because the child you thought you had, you suddenly think you don't have anymore. And and you've got this different child. And all of the things you thought that you had already had him doing, whatever those things were, <laughs> suddenly... Idea of success. Exactly. And so that all changes. And it takes a while to to realize he's still the same child and... uh you just have to keep going on this journey. So it wasn't until he was probably in about first grade. He was diagnosed at three. So first or second grade was when I started getting back into comedy and doing fundraisers and and writing stories and humorous things about having a, a child on the spectrum. Have you gotten feedback from other parents that this has been helpful? I have. And it's funny because I, I've always felt that comedy was kind of therapeutic for me, right? I like to get up on, I mean, I like to do it. I like to get up on stage. I like to um, to sort of tell those stories. But I never was quite sure what I wanted to do with it because I wasn't going to go on the road, which is what you have to do if you want to be a comedian. You got to, it's, it's a grind. And that wasn't what I wanted to do, but I was really happy to do this fundraiser. And after the fundraiser, I had a gentleman come up to me and say, you know, I came here with my girlfriend. She has a son who has autism and boy, this was really great for her. She really needed to laugh. She really needed to be able to to be told it's okay to laugh at this stuff and that there's other parents going through it. And at that moment, it's like a light bulb went off and I was like, wow, okay, that's, that's my purpose. I need to <clears throat> be, if I can help people through humor, then that's great. That gives me a reason to be doing this. I see. So it was at that moment it all kind of gelled and said, this makes sense for me, it feels right, and this is what I'm going to do um, for for a long time to come. Yes, it really, I mean, it felt like there was a point to it. Ah. <laughs> like, like, here's the reason why I'm given the gift of being able to get up and get on stage and do this. Um, it's and giving, so, it's a gift, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, I'm glad, I'm blessed that I have it, I love doing it, but it just... Just to do it to, I don't know what, try to find accolades or fame or money, that just, that that never really resonated with me. So I'm guessing that you've always been a humorous gal and you, you know, is this true? Is this how, uh, you've always had this gift? Is that 
Is that accurate? I think I have. I come from a family of a lot of, you know, quick-witted, smart-aleck uh, <laughs> family. <laughs> And so I think I've always been able to, to define the humor. Um, I think in my younger days, it was much more, um, I'll say sort of sarcastic, a little more sharp edged. And that has softened, I think, with having kids and, um, and over the years. You talk about, and I saw your routine where you talk about this sort of series of coming out. There's always some new thing that you're coming out about. Do you want to talk about that theme? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, so in my younger days, you know, I, I came out as being a lesbian, came out to my parents, you know, came out, and this is, this was way before the, you know, the days of, Ellen DeGeneres and, and, ah, you know, sort of cool, right before it was cool. <laughs> Although I do joke that I think it was actually about the time that was all happening that I finally, you know, I, I wrote my parents a long letter and told them. And of course, my mom, my parents, they already knew, of course, because parents do know, but, um, you know, I just confirmed it with them. Uh, and then, um, yeah, being out living with, you know, my now wife, Diane and having kids and just living my life out in a suburban setting. So that was, that's the, that coming out, coming out as the traditional coming out as a gay lesbian person. Then the next was when Ryan was diagnosed and we were getting involved in the community with him, um, coming out as having a son with autism, because I realized it was very much the same process. You had something that other people didn't know that, you weren't sure how people would react when you told them and keeping it hidden was a burden. I, I understood that from being gay to, to try to hide what was going on with him and not tell people and not be open was just going to be too much of a burden. So again, we were very upfront with people about his autism, you know, from the beginning. And, uh, and then finally, within the, uh, I think two, two years ago, 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 two or three years ago, um, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So again, having to tell people about that, because it's not always obvious. Um, but again, having to tell some people about something that you, you have to decide, am I going to tell people or not tell people? Um, but what I've found is anytime I've come out with whatever it is, I find that it opens up a whole new world of possibilities and community and support. And so, I mean, that's kind of my theme to people is whatever you're carrying around, it's much better to open up about it than to carry it around. Mm -hmm. How does the multiple sclerosis manifest itself? Um, I, in the, when it's hot in the summer, it's very exhausting, just really wipes me out feels like I've run a marathon in a, you know, 100 degrees with 90% humidity all the time. You're in um, California? Yes, yes. And then um, really just uh, coordination, balance, um, I, you know, not being able to walk long distances um, and that type of thing. So, um, you know, I've, I've managed to just, you know, modify my day-to-day -day life um, you know, to accommodate it, as it were, mm -hmm. trying to swim, do yoga, you know, do all of those types of things, both for my physical and my mental health. Mm -hmm. Do you have to kind of 
collaborate with Diane as far as, you know, coming out with different things? Do you two have a conversation like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this, but obviously it involves her. Uh, if you're married, is that, how does that work? Do you have to have a little bit of a, a, a chat about that first? You know, I think, uh, you know, like when Ryan uh, was diagnosed, I, I think she was quite on board with, with telling people. Um, I think it took a while for her to realize that this was a lifelong journey with him. I think it's, you know, you can, at first you think, okay, well, this is like something that we're going to fix and, and you can't fix it completely. You can just help, you know, let him be the most that he can be. So she was on board fairly early and realized that it was better to tell people than not to tell people. And with the MS, she's been very supportive. Uh, She's a wonderful partner and um, picks up a lot of the heavy lifting figuratively and literally. And, uh, and I think, you know, I did tell her I was going to come out about it on stage and, and she, you know, that was my decision. And she, she supported that because it took me, probably a good year, year and a half or two before I finally did any humor about it on stage. I had to, it took a while for me to get to that point. I can see that. Same with Ryan, where it's not so funny when you first get a <laughs> diagnosis. It's not. <laughs> and, then, um, and then it sounds like you make some kind of peace with it. And then when you're kind of able to accept it, you're, then you can play with it and bring out whatever humor. I think, can, you can, yeah. yeah, that's it. I think you've nailed it. That's exactly, that's exactly it. And you're in a conservative part of California, am I right? It's more in the southern central? No, actually, we are. Uh, when Diana, Diane and I first met and, and got together, we were we were down in Orange County, which is a very conservative part of, Orange, of California. But we since we had moved then, up to the Bay Area, although it's, you know, it's the East Bay, it's definitely the suburbs uh, where we live. But I find that that has not been really an issue at all. Thankfully, where we live, raising our kids, sending them to school, that has been, uh, blessedly, an easy journey. Yeah, I can imagine it might be important where you live and how comfortable you feel. It is because we live, you know, we're, we just live our life. I mean, we don't walk around waving a pride flag, but we are, you know, when our kids go to school and we fill out the forms, it's very clear that there's two moms in this parenting. Uh, So... And even in the Catholic Church, we belong to the Catholic Church, which you know some people find very puzzling and ironic on many levels. But we, uh, you know, we go to church. Our kids are going through confirmation, um, and we're we're there every Sunday in the pew. And and part of our reason for staying was because if we weren't there, no one would see what a a lesbian family looks like. So there, do you feel like you have a responsibility to teach people what other families might look like? Well, I think we don't feel like we have a responsibility, but I I think we felt that, again, if we weren't there sitting in the pew on Sundays, uh, helping teach faith formation, which I did for developmentally disabled kids, or being involved in the parish, 
um, no one would ever have any interaction with us or, or in other words how do we claim that we have every right to be there if we're not there I see. <laughs> and i think we didn't but what we've done is we have taught people people have gotten to know us and i think it has changed perceptions in a very subtle way um because folks just had never seen a family like ours and then they sort of just realize we're kind of like every other family when you get getting ready to go out to church, do you feel like you have to kind of uh, prepare mentally, uh, get get your bravery on a little bit, or is no, it easier than that? It, it's easier because the, our community has always, our church community um, has always been very welcoming, and we've found and met many good friends through the community, and... Um, it has been overall a good good experience for us. And so we feel very welcome there. There have been only a few occasions uh, when Prop 8 was happening in California. I don't know if you remember Prop 8, but it was the, the proposition where they voted to ban gay marriage. It was a big thing, and the church actually supported it. And so that was problematic, and we stepped away from the church for a couple of years. And then... Um, made the decision to come back. And part of that was because I had several parishioners that I ran into in the community that would come up to me. I didn't even know them. And they'd say, oh, don't you and your family, you know, go to nine o'clock mass at St. Elizabeth? And oh. and I'd say, well, yeah, we do. And they said, well, you have such a beautiful family. We haven't seen you in a while. We, we miss seeing you there. And I was like, okay, well, I, you know, it felt like we needed to be there. And that's where D Diane's a cradle Catholic. I'm a cradle Catholic. It's where we felt most comfortable. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, we went back and it has been overall, it's it, it's been a good experience. But I know that some people uh, find that unusual. Mm -hmm. But I, I I always liken it when people say, how can you be in the, you know, the Catholic church and all. I say, well, you know what? I don't really like the current administration in the United States, but I'm not leaving the United States. Mm -hmm. So just because maybe I don't care for some of the dogma that might come out of Rome, although it's better now that we have Pope Francis, mm -hmm. um, my community in and of itself where I worship and I'm a part of is very welcoming. And so it's sort of that act locally, think globally mentality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Could you, could you, uh, just to shift gears, would you take me through the kind of anatomy of a, um, is it's not a skit, but it's a performance. That, you know, and you say you don't you don't tell jokes, but you tell stories. Could you tell me kind of the mechanics? How does that? How do you make your stories? How do you create them? How do you bring them to life on the stage? Ah, let me think. Um, this thing work this i know it, it is it's well and it starts you know something will come up um you know i do a bit about ryan and uh jeopardy autism jeopardy and that came about talking to some other moms about how our kids are good at memorizing you know odd bits of information and and uh and i said oh there should be an autism jeopardy and they laughed and i said oh i should do a a little bit something about this and so you know i talk about how ryan is you know really good at memorizing things and i don't know how i can make it a career path but i'll 
if he could go on Jeopardy uh, and it was Autism Week, it'd you know, be like, Alex, I'll take uh, World War II airplanes for 200 Foods I won't eat for five hundred, and entire movie scripts I've memorized for a thousand. You know, and and everybody can laugh about that. And and then I'll do, you know, I'll do more stuff about Ryan and um, um. And so I'll start with some little nugget. I guess that's the point. Like something will happen, something will happen. Um, another example when we hadn't told our children that I had multiple sclerosis, we hadn't quite figured out what we were going to do about that. But my, one of my sons found my handicap placard buried in the minivan and came in with it to the office with it in his hand. And he's like, so I found this. And I said, well, okay, do you want to talk about it? And so we talked about it, and I went into long, excruciating detail, of course. And at the end, I said, do you have any questions? And he said, well, no, but I thought if we had this, we should use it a lot more often. <laughs> Right. And, and so from that, you know, very I just pragmatic, very right. I mean, that's thank God that kids are narcissistic because they weren't at all concerned about, you know, and then he felt bad. Then he felt bad. And he's like, well, you know, it's not like you're out there running around that much with us anyway. <laughs> so, you know, so that thing will launch a longer's tale about kids and, and, you know, having MS and, and how it relates to that. And I do try to, you know, tie my um, sort of stories, observational, it's observational humor, it's very observational humor, um, tie it all together, you know, do a whole sequence of things that have to do with the MS and, and uh, that type of stuff. And then a whole sequence of things about Ryan and, and uh, having a special needs child. And so it becomes, it's, it's humorous vignettes throughout, but it becomes a you know, a themed narrative tied together with that. So that's... And, and is there a sense when you're up there and you've just nailed it with your timing and all that goes into that, can you feel this sense of satisfaction? Like, yeah, I stuck the landing. That was, you know, can you feel that? Absolutely. And it's like the, it's the best feeling in the world. I mean, I really feel like it's a, a drug of sorts. And when you get that, once you've had that, you really want to have that again. <laughs> it, it really is nice when an audience is, is with you and is laughing. And I think particularly when it's the special needs sort of humor and I'm in front of one of those audience, I really love that because um, I just feel it's so cathartic for everyone, myself included, to, to have that. But yes, it's a wonderful feeling. It absolutely is. How much... Uh, bravery does it take now? I mean, I know you're, you've done this a lot and you're experienced and you've had many different uh, venues. Do you still have to get pumped up to stand alone on a stage with everyone looking at you saying, you know, make me laugh? I do. I do. I still get nervous every time, which I think is a good thing because some of that adrenaline is is good. Um, I hope I never, you know, have a performance where I'm going on stage and I just am like, eh, yeah, I'm, I've got this right. Cause I, I never really feel, okay, I'm, I know I'm going to nail this. I, I don't assume that at all. Um, and I'm certainly more, I guess, more nervous if I'm going in front of an audience that, um, isn't as familiar as it were. I just, I remember one time, this is years ago, 
I got hired to do a Christmas party for a construction company <laughs> that was located out in the Central Valley of California, which is certainly more conservative. And I all I you know I was like, wow, I don't I'm, I said, do they know I'm a lesbian? Choice. I know I'm like, can, well, it was like this talent agency. Somebody had referred me to him. I don't know. Anyway, I was like, well, I'm I'm okay with doing it, but you just need to make sure that I guess they know that I'm gay because I'm gonna come out about it. And if they really don't want that, then they shouldn't hire me. She said, oh no, they're fine, they're fine. So I did it, and the reason I did it was because I wanted to see if I could do it. It was very much of a challenge, you know. Can I make a group of people who are not my demographic, so to speak, laugh. And I was able to, I did. And so um, certainly more nervous in that situation than getting up in front of a group of special needs parents. Mm-hmm. That's a very interesting uh, job. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was indeed. It, it sounds like that might be, uh, you know, a bit just talking about right. doing your job uh, with the construction guys. Right. Right. Oh my goodness. So, you know, there's, you talked about diversity and adversity. Are there times when the adversity feels heavier and you have to um, kind of deal with more of the heaviness or difficulty? And, and if so, how do you do that? Do you have other ways besides using humor? I think the writing, I find the writing um, that's on my blog is, it has humor within it, but it's usually deeper, I guess, as it were. It's more poignant. I I talk about the MS um, and kind of the struggles and trying to find peace with that. Um, I talk about, you know, things that have happened with Ryan that that have really, you know, been heartbreaking for me to see him go through it and it's not something that I would get up on stage and ever talk about because it's not ultimately humorous but it has some humor parts in it but ultimately it's it's more of a growth um and just more of a human story I mean really and 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 I'm able to express that um through the writing and and that's been really really wonderful I've I've really enjoyed doing more of that uh, in the last year or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard time and time again from my guests how just transformational writing about their difficulties has been. And I also hope to, um, I'm actually doing a, a venture, a show with a, a dear friend of mine um, who lives uh, in the North Bay, Santa Rosa, California, and we're putting together a show where we're each going to kind of do a narrative arc, as it were, less of a less of a comedy show, more storytelling, and more, um, a little deeper. It'll dig deeper into to, to the facets of our lives, uh, and I'm looking forward to that. So you're, it sounds like you're trying to be careful, you know, where you do what, that there's some sort of discernment about this would fit here and deeper and more subtle maybe with your blog. And, you know, for these folks, maybe this narrative that you have to be pretty precise and careful about where you share your material. I think that's accurate. You know, if I, if, if I'm hired to do a, PTA fundraiser comedy night, 
then I'm going to make sure that I'm telling jokes and stories about being a, you know, a parent of a middle schooler or the drop off line or the whatever it is, you know, I'm going to talk about that kind of stuff because they're there to have fun of an evening. Um, that's what their evening is about. The, and so it, it, the teacher gifts, right? Is right. Your thing? <laughs> exactly. The teacher's appreciation week. Oh, yeah. All of that is what I will do versus I'm not gonna, you know, dig deep about my MS or, mm-hmm. or, you know, I will probably bring up that I have a son on, on the spectrum, but I will give it a light touch versus, um, you know, a fundraiser that's perhaps for, um, an organization that works with special needs kids, that one I might touch a little bit deeper. And then, yes, for, for the blog or for this particular show that we're working on, um, it's being presented as something that's a little, we're calling it uh, better than therapy, laugh at our problems, forget about yours. And so it's, <laughs> you know, it's meant to be a little deeper. Um, so, but you're right. I have to think about, well, what's the audience? What's the purpose of the event that we're doing? and then do my material accordingly. Do you, is there a technical formula where you say, okay, I have to put this part in the front or warm them up in this way, or for you it's a natural process and then you refine it like one might refine, you know, a piece of writing or something. Um, how, how does that work in the comedy world? Well, for me, and I think for you, you, you want to make sure that within the first, you know, 30 seconds minute that you're on stage, you do a, something that you know is rock solid that's going to get a laugh. Cause you want to, you want to get the audience laughing. You want to get, it kind of helps get your nerves under control, right? Cause, oh, okay, they're laughing. Whew. Um, so I typically open with something that I know is, is going to be a, Tried and a hit. true. Tried and true, rock solid. Exactly. Uh-huh. What's the, what is that? What's so, your tried and true? My tried and true is uh, I call it my normal cheer, right? So I'm from normal, Illinois. It's a real town. And um, I do a bit about uh, being from normal and how um, I always want to share my normal high school cheer. So I tell the audience I need them to help me out with this. So I say, give me an O, O, give me a K, K. What's that spell? okay you know we're okay you're not okay we're normal you're not right so everybody it's a big cheer i talk about how our school mascot was a bell curve um (laughs) and so it kind of goes from there right and that's also how i come out to an audience um because i talk about that i wasn't a cheerleader i dated a few that type of thing (laughs) right Right. so so it's a way it's it's a really good opening for me because it gets a lot out that because, you know, later in, in my stuff, if I'm talking about my wife and I haven't come out, it's a little confusing. And so um, it allows me to uh, to get that all out. And then if I'm going to do maybe newer material or stuff that I know is a, maybe not so much funny haha, but I want to do it anyway, I'll, I'll put that in about the middle or three quarters of the way through the set. And then I'll bring it back up with a big, big finish. There's this very plan. It's very planning. It's very well thought out. You don't just get up and say, "Oh, this funny thing happened to me," and then another funny thing happened to me. I don't, and you know what? If I (laughs) exactly, you're right. You do. I I do craft my set. If I know I'm doing 30 minutes, then this is how I you know kind of lay it out. Um, Now, if you go and do open mics and things like that, that's a great place to just 
riff on anything you want to riff on because it's but but if someone is paying you to come or you're trying to raise money for an organization you know you're a professional you you want to give them the, the top the quality that worth, you can yeah. right right mm-hmm. yeah that sounds that's interesting is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners who are going through many transitions of their own um they're probably uh sort of in that post-middle age kind of time frame where they may be launching their kids. Their kids may have launched and now they're coming back. (laughs) Um, They're starting to maybe reassess their jobs. They're wondering, you know, this what's next for me? I have a lot more time on this earth and um, my roles are really rapidly changing. Um, Any advice for people kind of trying to create you know some people will say the third chapter or like where do I go from here kind of question I would say think about maybe the thing that you've always wanted to do or always felt in the back of the mind that you wanted to do whether it's to write to do comedy to work with special needs children whatever it is um, bring that to the forefront and pursue it because I find that, I mean, it, it, to, you know, don't have any regrets that you didn't do that. Um, even if it's something completely different that no one would expect you to do. I mean, I meet people and they're, they can't believe that I'm a comedian, right? Cause I don't, and, and, and so pursue those dreams i guess don't be afraid to pursue those dreams just 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 do it as it were it's it's funny i just saw a comic um somewhere and it was uh it was charlie brown and snoopy and they're sitting on the water's edge looking out over the water and charlie brown says you only live once snoopy and and snoopy says no you only die once you live every day so and I just thought that was perfect. I thought that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Live every live every day and try to find the humor in whatever it is that you're going through. Even though there will be obstacles. Absolutely. Try to think uh if you can after you get over what you know that obstacle, the first rush that hits you in the face with it, um you know, find something to to laugh about because there usually is some humor in the situation, uh, regardless of what the situation is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, even <laughs> my mom's, you know, my mom, uh, having a stroke and deciding she didn't want any kind of care. She just wanted to go into hospice and, and not have a feeding tube or anything. And she knew that what the end result was going to be, but she was done. She was ready to go. And I remember talking to her and, and just saying, you know, she's, she's, she, she said, I want to, I want to, you know, a cat, a mass, a funeral mass. And I looked at her, I'm like, mom, really? Do you think we would not know that? You, <laughs> you, you know, like, really? You drug us to church every, every, you know? And, and then I said, okay. And can I, um, is it okay if I say in the obituary that I was your favorite? She's like, you know, I mean, <laughs> it, it's yeah. not as, yeah, I just, it, I guess that's just where I come from is, is, um, I think it's, it's probably a, a bit of an armor and a bit of a, a coping mechanism. I'm sure it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this idea that you can acknowledge the pain, but it's not a solid wall of pain. It's there's also these 
pieces of light in it or pieces of, um, I guess, levity. Yeah, and I think light is a good word because some situations are very, very serious and maybe, you know, levity or laughter isn't the right way to put it, but, you know, try to find the light in the situation and welcome others into your your pain, as it were, or your situation, because um, doing it alone is very difficult, and it's amazing the support and community that opens up when you are true and honest and when you come out about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an invitation, I guess, to say this is who I am, and then people can come towards you and, and help you through it. They are. And I, I have found, you know, particularly with the MS, because it's, it's hard. You know, you're out and you're like, oh, you know, do I want to ask for help or do I want? And most people, most people want to help. Most people are good and most people want to help. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a great, great attitude. Do you want to tell our audience where they can learn more about you and your humor? Sure, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my website is reginastoops.com, mm-hmm. and that is where my blog is located. It's called Normal Notes, and uh, you'll find it on the website. Um, I am also on Facebook at Regina Stoops Comedy uh, on Facebook, and you can find, um, you know, I just post silly stuff about things my kids said or stuff that happens. It's very light. I, um, and that, uh, so you could follow me on Facebook and you would get up updates and stuff that I post. Um, and if you need to want to contact me by all means, uh, there's a, you can do that through my website as well. And, um, and I also have a store at cafe press. I have a logo. I have my own logo. Um, which you will see when you go to my website or my Facebook page. And and it comes from the joke that, um, you know, I like to get all my information out at front, uh, front. I'm a Catholic, democratic, lesbian, suburban soccer mom. I got an autistic son. There are not, there's not enough room on the bumper for all the ribbons that I need. (laughs) So I developed my own logo and, uh, you know, it's, it's the word normal and every letter represents some facet of my life. Um, so, but yes, the website would direct you to wherever you'd want to go. There's links to the Facebook page, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, mm. yeah, that's, that's great. And, and where you can be seen live. Yes, it has, mm-hmm. uh, your events. Events are, are posted up on the, uh, the Facebook page. And also there's videos on my website. If you just want to mm-hmm. see some videos of what we've been talking about, there's some clips of that. Um, yeah, I would love to hear from people, and uh, I'll be doing a, a show up in Napa fundraiser. I'm doing a fundraiser uh, next week, actually, uh, for a p- local PTA, and then the show up in uh, Santa Rosa. I know you've got folks listening from all over the world, but mm-hmm. up in Santa Rosa, California. So if you're anywhere in the Bay Area and, Bay Area. and you and you want to know more, you can message me or send me a note. Uh, I'll tell you all the details. That sounds great. Thank you so much for being with me today, Regina. It was really fun and, and inspiring to, to hear your, your life story. Well, thank you. Thank you, Nicole. I, I really appreciate the time. 
Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at nicolechristina.com. Next week, we're going to shift gears and speak with Michael Hebb, who is the author of Death Over Dinner. And it sounds a little morose, but it's not. Uh, He's very interested in shifting culture through food and conversation. And he's had a lot of impact and influence on some big, big thought leaders, really talking about why it's so important to acknowledge our mortality and to talk about it with our loved ones. That one is not to be missed. Michael Hebb. And please consider becoming a patron of the show. You will get access to exclusive bonuses, and you will be part of the Zestful Aging community. Keep us going strong. Go to patreon.com slash Zestful Aging. See you next time for another episode of Zestful Aging.